St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Come on into the podcast, and we are going to be talking about what we think of death and how we should view it as Christians. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome to Cycles and Sanctity Podcast. I am Mama Jane, wife to Steve for almost 37 years, mother of six wonderful children, fertility awareness instructor, and a Catholic mindset coach. Are you confused about your cycle? Do you want to learn how charting your cycles can give you insight, not only to your health, but your mental and emotional state as well? And most importantly, using this information to draw closer to God and pursue your path to holiness? If you answered yes, then you are in the right place. Go grab your journal and your favorite pen and let's do this. Hello, Catholic Divas. Welcome back to Cycles and Sanctity podcast. Today is All Souls Day, and I am going to talk to you a little bit today about the four last things. We have been working on our little mini series about perimenopause, and I would like to have you take a moment and think about where does perimenopause lead us? Paramenopause is that phase, remember, where our fertility is decreasing, but it hasn't completely ceased. So physically, our bleeding might become heavier, our cycles are longer, our bodies are changing, things are happening, right? The hormones are becoming less and less. And it leads us to what we call menopause. Now, the scientific definition of menopause is when a woman has not had a cycle for 12 months. And sometimes this can be frustrating because with our longer cycles during perimenopause, one of the questions we're asking ourselves is, is this the last period we're having? Am I done? And two months later, we have another cycle because we haven't really been charting and we haven't realized that that's one whole cycle, that's 60 days or 45 days or whatever it becomes. But that menopause phase is 12 months without a cycle. And once we have reached 12 months or one year with, with no cycle, no ovarian activity, no ovulation, then we go into what we call postmenopause and literally our hormones are non-existent they don't fluctuate at all and therefore we are no longer fertile and so we have to remember that for men they become fertile during puberty and then they are fertile 24/7 until the day they die which is why you may hear these kind of crazy stories of 75-year-old man marrying 25-year-old woman and having a son or whatever. But a woman has a beginning of her fertile phase, which is a puberty, and then we have an ending phase, which is menopause. So we have a beginning and an end. And I think this is really beautiful. I want to take this concept of perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause into our Catholic faith. And especially today, I thought it was very appropriate because it is All Souls Day. I don't know how your week has been. Probably last weekend, there were all kinds of parties, trick-or-treating and things like that for Halloween. Some of you may have remembered that Wednesday was a Holy Day of Obligation, All Saints Day. And yet now November 2nd is All Souls Day, but it's not a Holy Day of Obligation. 
And really, one of the things I want to share with you is when I started learning and investigating about this whole season, it's many times called the All Saints Tridium. It's three days in one. It starts in the evening, the vigil, All Hallows Eve, which is where we get the words Halloween, All Hallow, meaning All Holy, All Saints Day, because it's the evening before the great celebration of All Saints Day. Now, why do we celebrate All Saints Day? Well, first of all, let me tell you, I was looking into this and I read somewhere that we have over 9,000 canonized saints in the Catholic Church. Now, if you think about it, there's only 365 days, and many times you can look up the saint of the day and you'll be surprised. Sometimes there's like five, six, seven saints of the day, even though there may be only one primary saint of that day, but there's many of them because there's 9,000 saints that are canonized. And we also know that there are many more people who are already in heaven. A saint is someone who sees the beatific vision, sees God face to face that is in heaven. And then we have this beautiful feast day, All Souls Day. In reality, in November, the whole month of November is actually dedicated to all souls. So I really want to take time this episode and just talk about what we call, the Catholic Church talks about the four last things. What are the four last things? Death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Now, I know this is a little bit heavy. Most people don't want to think about death. But again, looking back at our perimenopause, where is perimenopause leading us? To our death, to the death of our fertility. And yet we're still living, right? And if you've been with me for any length of time, you've come to realize that our fertility is from, let's just say, age 12. And a woman will maybe go through menopause, maybe let's just say 56. So that's what, 44 years of fertility. And typically in most countries, and at least the first world countries, an average girl does not get pregnant or get married at 12. She could in other, other cultures or whatever. So you may be bearing children for maybe 30 years mas o menos, give or take, right? But after, think about this, you you may be 55, 56, and the average age of uh, a woman nowadays is what, 75, 80? So you have another 25 or 30 years of your life that you are not fertile, that you can live in a way that you won't be physically giving babies. So I want to talk about this aspect, but again, going back to the Catholic Church, what is death? We have still just come out of this worldwide pandemic, and depending on your experience of that situation, wherever you are, could have been very, very devastating. Many of us had seen loved ones die. Many of us maybe experienced those who weren't able to receive last rites or you weren't able to see them. Some of us heard about people die very quickly, like literally you saw them one week and the next week they were gone. But really, it just magnified the thought of death. And death is always with us. I heard somebody say, the moment you're born, you're on your way to death. Now, that's kind of an interesting 
perspective, a different, a, a, an interesting thought that we should think of. But this is the thing that that is the truth. Every single one of us dies, and many of us, depending on our age, many of us don't even want to think about death. Many of us have this attitude that I'm going to live forever. I've got my whole long life ahead of me, and then some of us that are maybe older, just literally thank God every single day that we wake up because we know that death is on our doorstep or could be on our doorstep. And yet this is one of the things that I want to share with you that really made me as a young person attractive to the Catholic faith in that when I studied the early church history and martyrs and even saints on Sunday, October 29th was Blessed Chiara Luce Badano. And I was reading about her. It popped up on my social media feed. And I remember having heard about her, but then I was really investigating her life and just her joy. She died at 18. She died of cancer and she was so full of life and she was looking forward to death. Who looks forward to death? This is the anomaly. This is almost the backwardness of a Christian is that really we should be looking forward to death because what does death bring us? Hopefully death will bring us to eternal life. That is what Jesus Christ promised us, is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection. That was the amazing thing about Jesus Christ. He was true man and true God. He truly died. He truly was buried for three days, and yet he rose from the dead and gave us eternal life. He opened the gates of heaven. That is so joyful. And if you read, I mean, St. Paul, when he understood this, This is why St. Paul, as you read in all of the letters that he wrote and the story of his life, he was willing to go through beatings. He was willing to be stoned. He was willing to be shipwrecked. He was willing to be arrested. And he was even willing to go to his own death because of this concept, this idea, this truth that Jesus promised us that we will have eternal life, that there's something after this earthly life, and it's only through death. And yet there are so many people that are absolutely fearful of death. They will do anything to avoid death. And yet, I hate to break it to you, but none of us can avoid death. Death happens to every single one of us. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, How prepared are you for your own death? Do you think about your own death or do you avoid it like the plague? Do you just not even want to finish that conversation? Well, I want to invite you to think about this. Every single one of us dies. And when we die, there really is a God. And he has told us many, many times in scripture, both Old and New Testament, that we will be judged. We will be judged on our deeds, on how we lived our life. The unique thing about this is, is that we will be judged on how much we have loved him, how much we have turned towards him. And because of that judgment, then there will be consequences. Either you will be joined into heaven with him, or you will be sent to hell. Now, let me rephrase that. Nobody is sent to hell Every single one of us who has denied God his infinite mercy, his existence, his love, 
has not repented from our sins, has not turned back to God, sends ourselves to hell. God never sends anyone to hell. We choose hell by our own choice, by our own free will. This is a gift from God is free will. And he gives us freedom in that free will. And in that freedom, he gives us the opportunity to either choose him or not choose him. And even in Deuteronomy, Moses tells the the Israelites, today I present to you, choose life or choose death. Which is it? Many times throughout the scriptures, that is always the question, choose life or choose death. Which is it? Those who deny God, who do not want to follow God, who continually turn away from God, they will be sent to eternal damnation. And those who have repented, who have drawn closer to God imperfectly in their weakness, falling down always, but always drawing close to God, they will be on their way to heaven. So one of the things I wanted to encourage you to read is in Matthew 25, Jesus talks about separating the goats and the sheep, that that's one of the things that's kind of where that judgment comes from, right? And the unique thing about that is after we die and we come before the Lord and he will judge us the way it's been described to me as like, literally, you're going to see your whole life before you. And many times you hear of these these near-death experiences or somebody who has been in like a, a car accident or something that all of a sudden they see everything. They see their, that's the expression, they see their whole life go before them. But not only will we see everything that we've done, every every word that we've ever said, but we'll also see the consequences of those actions of those decisions, of those words, of those thoughts that we've had. And we will see the effect. And this is, I think, brothers and sisters, one of the most unique things about our lack of understanding of what the judgment will do is because many times we don't understand the effects that our actions or our words or our thoughts play into other people. And I had this experience just this past weekend. I ran into a young man. He's a sophomore now in college, but I met him in an eighth grade. And it was very interesting because his family attends mass and they're just a beautiful, beautiful family. But when I met him, he was in my program. I was a religious ed coordinator and I had invited the kids to attend adoration during Lent. And some of these kids had never experienced adoration. And that's one of the reasons why I actually, I required every teacher to bring their their kids. I had different weekends and I'm like, okay, this class is going to go this Friday and whatever. And this young man, he came away from his first adoration and I could just tell he was thirsty. He was just so thirsty for the Lord. He'd had such a powerful experience. And so I guided him, I encouraged him. Yeah, I wasn't his teacher directly, but he knew and he would just, anytime he saw me, he we, we would have these conversations. And then, of course, our lives kind of separated. I went to something else and it was just really interesting because I was really blessed. I got to see him during COVID at church, which was really, really interesting. And it just, it was so beautiful. We just gave each other a big hug and he was just so happy to see me. 
And then again, our lives kind of separated. And then I got to see him this past weekend at this mass. And it was just so beautiful to see him, now this college student, now this leader, and he's pouring into other young people and just the light. And he just gave me this really big hug. And his parents came up and his father saw me, but he didn't really know like where he knew me from. And so his son was telling him. And then I said, yeah. And his dad just said, thank you. Thank you so much for this. And he just pointed to his son. I was like, it wasn't me. It was Jesus. He's like, yeah, but you're the one. I said, yeah. And he and I both, this young man and I both acknowledged, like, it was that one adoration. We know exactly that adoration night. And so that's what I want to share with you. Like, you don't always understand the consequences of your actions. You don't understand the influence that you have on other people because of your words, because of the way you live. And that's really what happened with the Christians. And I want to share with you something really interesting. There's this wonderful book. It's it's a fictional, it's a historical fictional called Quo Vadis, And it's also a movie. And my husband and I have watched it a number of times. It's on TCM every once in a while. But there's this one particular scene that I just always find so interesting. So the backdrop is it's during the period of Emperor Nero, who's persecuting the Christians, and he burned down part of Rome, and then he blamed it on the Christians. So they're gathering up all the Christians. Everyone hates the Christians. And there's a number of Christians in this scene, and they're all in this prison waiting to go to the Colosseum to be eaten by the lions. Everyone knows what happens in the Colosseum. And yet these Christians were singing as they were walking into the Colosseum, they're singing this glorious Alleluia song about the resurrection, about eternal life. And Emperor Nero is just shocked. He's like, why are they singing? Why are they singing? Make them stop. Make them stop. They were looking forward to death because they knew they would see Jesus Christ face to face. Isn't that amazing? It's this wonderment. And even Miguel Pro, a priest in Mexico during the Cristero Wars, his last words were, Viva Crisore. That was the thing. It's like, deny Christ. No, I'd rather die than deny Christ. And he knew. He had assurance of where he was going. And so this is one of the things I want to encourage you and ask you, like, do you know our Lord? Do you look forward to death because you know that, that heaven is your destiny? Or are you fearful? Or are you not sure? That is the question of the day. The other thing I want to share with you is All Saints Day is a holy day of obligation. That was yesterday, November 1st. And here's one of the things that I look forward to or kind of like in my little brain. I've just discovered that when the Holy Mother Church gives us a holy day of obligation, then that means she has something very important for us to say, to hear she has something important to say to us, an important teaching, an important dogma, an important doctrine. And what is All Saints Day about? All Saints Day is the communion of saints. It's the celebration of all of the saints who are in heaven. So it is giving us the opportunity to look heavenward. When you have a professional football player, his eyes are always on the Super Bowl. Even if his team has not won in years and years, his eyes are always on the Super Bowl. That's the best of the best, right? And every year, whether they won or lost, whether they won Super Bowl last year, they start all over again. And that is what I want to encourage each and every one of you is where are your eyes set? Is your eyes set on heaven? Do you know where you're going? 
Are you walking with the Lord? I want to encourage you, if you are not walking in the, with the Lord, why aren't you walking with the Lord? Have you met him yet? Have you gone to adoration and spent some time with him? Have you gone to confession? We've talked about these spiritual practices. Have you had a chance to go to confession and repent and convert? That is all he wants. Remember, Father Gately talks about in his book, Consoling the Heart of Jesus, that it gives Jesus great joy when we allow him to be our Savior. The only way we can allow him to be our Savior is through repentance, is to bring him our sins. And the only sin that he cannot forgive is those sins that we keep to ourselves that we don't bring to him. It is just such a beautiful thought and a beautiful truth, my brothers and sisters. So I want to encourage you as we almost prepare for a new year, a new liturgical year that will be coming in December during Advent. Between now and then, if you can get yourself to confession, I really want to encourage you. We talked about confession in previous episodes. It's one of those spiritual practices, the more you go, the more the Lord is going to share with you, the more you're going to see how much affect your actions, your words, your attitudes, your sins of omission. That's one of those things that many people forget is the sin of omission. What is the sin of omission? Is those things that we didn't do. Remember, every time we go to Mass, what is the first prayer that we pray? We open with the confiture. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. And I ask the Blessed Virgin Mary and all the angels and saints to pray for me to the Lord our God. That is the reason why we have communion of saints. We have All Saints Day is to remember that we have a cloud of witnesses, as the letter of Hebrews talks about, a cloud of witnesses, testimony, giving, interceding for us, waiting for us, encouraging us, supporting us, because they want us to be there as well. Now, the other thing is, as as I mentioned, judgment, heaven, or there really is hell. And I am to tell you, unfortunately, our society glorifies the evil. And I don't know what your experience was with Halloween. I know that, you know, the whole month of October, it seemed like every single channel on TV, they had horror stories and gore and death and destruction. And that is not of God. There really is a hell and it is really for all eternity. We can't even understand what eternity means because we are in time. We are temporal beings. And so things seem long to us, things seem short to us. But really what hell is, is a separation, eternal separation from God. And there really is an enemy who wants to fight for your soul. And that's what I want to just encourage you to like think about this. There is an enemy that is fighting for your soul, and he does not will your good. He wants to destroy you. Jesus said in the Gospel of John 10.10, a thief comes to steal, slaughter, and destroy, but I have come to give them life and give them life abundantly. 
So it's either death or life. This is the choice. Now, there's another important doctrine, which is today, All Souls. What is the concept of All Souls Day? Why do we pray for all souls? Well, there are people who were friends of God who are not what we call purified. Their soul has not been completely purified. And again, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, you could do a little Google on wordplay of purification or the gold that has to go through the fire, right? The pure gold of faith. And this is what All Souls is, is that those who are friends of God, and yet they're not completely pure because they have this what we call temporal punishment. The thing we don't understand is that every sin has a double consequence. It has a spiritual consequence and it has a temporal consequence. And while confession forgives the eternal, the spiritual consequence, there's still that temporal consequence. And basically what the catechism teaches is that we're still attracted, we're still attached to certain things. And so going back to one of the first podcasts, I talked about St. Ignatius's principle and foundation, right? He says, our principal foundation Man is created to praise, reverence, and serve God, our Lord, and by this means to save his soul. The other things on the face of the earth are created for man to help him in attaining the end of which he is created. And so therefore, everything that we have is to help us to attain that end, which is to be in heaven with Jesus. But we get attached to those things. And so St. Ignatius says, we should neither pray for a long life as opposed to a short life, health as opposed to sickness, rich as opposed to poverty, because all things are to work out for good for us to be used to draw us ever closer. But when we're attached to these things, that's where that temporal punishment, that's where we have this opportunity to literally, we call it purgatory because we're purging that attachment of other things rather than attaching ourselves purely for God, to know him, love him and serve him. Okay. So that we can be with him, happy with him in heaven. And these souls in purgatory, their desire, they know they're on their way to heaven and they know that they don't merit to be face to face, to have the beatific vision because they're aware of their own attachments of their own sins. And they desire this holy fire. It's a holy fire. It's not the eternal fire of damnation. It's a holy fire burning off these dregs, burning off this dross. But the thing is, is that they have no capability of helping themselves. And that's where we come in. It's through our prayers and our sacrifices that we can assist them. The unique thing is, is that the holy souls can actually still pray for us. So we can ask the holy souls to pray for us, which is why many people, when their loved ones die, or we pray for people, right? We pray for them. We're not real sure if they're in heaven or in purgatory. So we pray for them or we pray to them and then we can help them and they can help us. All right. So that's one of those things that the economy of salvation, we're the church militant, They're the church suffering, and the saints are the church triumphant. So I want to just encourage you to think about these past three days. Really just offer your prayers, pray your rosary. You go to a cemetery and pray for the holy souls. There's a number of prayers. You can do your search on Google of prayers for the holy souls. 
You can offer masses for those who you know have died. That is a really one of the very efficacious practices for the holy souls. So I hope you enjoyed this very quick teaching on the last four things. I'd love to hear your thoughts about death. I'd love to hear your thoughts about heaven or hell or even purgatory. And as we close, let us pray at the blessing of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire spirit, soul, and body irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, my older Catholic divas, are you in that perimenopause or menopause or even the postmenopause phase? I want to remind you that we have this wonderful community called Uniquely Beautiful You. The link is in the show notes. We would love for you to join us and see us on Zoom on Monday evenings. We'll see you in there.